with me to Ezekiel, if you would, Ezekiel chapter 34. Your Bible's Ezekiel 34. We're just going to read a few verses here. We'll be going to a New Testament passage in just a moment. I'll get myself situated here. I mentioned this on Wednesday that uh, I had a little throat issue, so I put a cough drop in. When the cough drop runs out, I quit preaching. I have, watch this now, this is amazing. One, two, three, four, five, six cough drops. Seven cough drops. Got all night. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I will not run out. They last about 20 minutes each. Plus, I have two of my own, all right? All right, thank you. God bless you for those cough drops, all right? Anyway, so uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll go as far as we can last, all right? Cough drop number one. All right, the timer is set. <clears throat> so, um, you know, as we begin this year, and we do this every year in the month of January, is that we begin to focus our attention on missions of course, at the end of the month, we'll have our missions emphasis weekend and so on. And to be honest with you, it is the highlight for me. I love missions. I was speaking with someone recently, and I said, when, when, you know, from time to time, people will ask me about a particular area where they move away or whatever, and they want to, you know, some insight as to a church in that area. I hope nobody's got any ideas, all right? Or they have to move to a different state, all right? But... Um, but when somebody does so, one of the things that I always look for is that look at are the is the missions program. That tells a lot about a particular church based upon the missions program that they have. Many of those places have the same missionaries that have come through here that we support and so on. And that's a blessing, huge, huge blessing. I'm glad that we this church is missions minded. It has proven to be a huge, huge blessing over the years that uh, this church has been in existence. Uh, this church has been here for more than 60 years. And I, and I credit that to the missions program, to the Lord, of course, and to the missions program that it has had for over all of those years. We don't want to stop, okay? In, in fact, we don't want to go backwards. We do not want to go in reverse when it comes to missions. We always want to increase. I have been a part of, of, of helping to raise money for a number of things. Bicycles, scooters, buildings, Bibles. We've done all kinds of things. And, and, and to your credit, you have given and you've given sacrificially to help in those projects. Listen to this. This number will stagger you. I know as, as of right now, I don't have the specifics today. But I do know. I went back and looked at some of the records. In the last nine years, this church has, has produced and given to missions more than $2.5 million to missions. Right. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. For a church this size, I think that's pretty awesome uh, that we do. Now, now uh, when we raise for special projects, when, and you know, that's, that's in addition to just the normal monthly or weekly giving that you all give in faith promise. And many of you know this as well, that we've set this as a policy of our church, is that we give the church, the general fund that comes in, we give a percentage of that to missions as well. 
when, uh, you know, back in the day when we first came here, we gave 10%. We've increased that over the years. And today, this year, we're giving 30% of every dollar that comes in is going to missions. So I want to praise the Lord for that. So, uh, and, and it, it is proven, now listen now, it's proven to be a help and an encouragement to missionaries all over the world and to the projects and things that we do and, and also to the success uh, of the existence of Calvary Baptist Church in these years. I'm pleased, I'm happy, I'm, and we, listen, we give all the glory to the Lord, okay? This, Ray Haskett does not get any credit for that, but I, I promise you I want to pass all of that credit, all that glory to the Lord. But it also is attributed to the fact that you give. You, sometimes you go deep into your pockets and sometimes we will do special projects that we have matched numerous times. I, I remember this more recently where we, we matched a Bible project down in Brazil. And uh, Brother Nash, one of our missionaries, I told him what we were doing. We, we labeled it Bibles for Brazil. And we gave and gave and you gave. And, and, and when we finally finished the project and all of that, we, he didn't have to go to any other outside source to get the money for the Bibles. This church contributed the vast majority of that for the Bibles for Brazil. We've done that numerous times. I remember we were trying to help uh, Brother um, uh, Eric Porterfield in South Sudan. And uh, so we raised some money for Bibles for that, for that project. And, and uh, I, I, hold, I told him, I called him up, and I said, we finished that project. And I said, Brother Eric, are you sitting down? He said, well, I don't think I need to sit down. I said, well, you might need to sit down because he's kind of a big fella. And, uh, and the fact that he's blind too, all right, he is, he is blind. Uh, and I said, you need to sit down. I don't want you to stumble and fall. And I told him how much we were sending him. And he, he I could hear the thud. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I, I could hear him. He, he had sat down and, and all of that. We gave him more than $10,000 for that Bible project. But that's all through the sacrificial giving of this church. There's one thing that we talk about. And I know we talk about it monetary. I, I get that. And, and everybody knows I'll tell the missionaries when they come here, I'll ask them this question. I say, why are you here? Why are you here? I said, be honest with me. Why are you here? And some of them look at me. They're, they're, they're waiting. They're looking at me, and they're waiting because they're, they're wanting me. I think they, that my expectations are, are something, you know, great, you know, spiritual or whatever. No, no, no. I'll tell you why you're here. Some of them get it right. And others, don't, they, they don't want to answer because they're afraid. They're afraid they'll give the wrong answer. I say, you're here to get money, right? You're here to get support. You're here to get support because you want to go to the field. Isn't that right? So when missionaries come in, I say, look, you can talk about money all day long, but we know why you're here. What I want to see out of you is your burden for the people. I want to see your heart for the people that you're going to, that God has called you to, no matter where it's at. If it is in somewhere in Europe, Africa, Asia, it doesn't matter where they're going. I want to see the burden that God has put on their heart. Now, I will say this, some have not done a good job of sharing their burden. And maybe it's because they, their burden is not deep-seated, or maybe they've lost their burden. Maybe they've come a little complacent with their burden. Maybe too comfortable with where they're at and what they're doing, you know, and, and all of that. And, but some have done a fantastic, a phenomenal job of sharing the burden that God has put up on their heart. So what I want to talk to you about today is renewing that burden for missions. Renewing that burden for missions. Let's read here in the book of Ezekiel. I want to show you something 
from this text of Scripture. The Bible says this in verse number 1, Ezekiel chapter 34, verse number 1. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe, with, clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The disease have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. And they were scattered because... There's no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. Watch verse 6 now. My sheep wandered throughout, through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth. And none did search or seek after them. Now what does that have to do with missions? What does it have to do with renewing the burden for mission? This God has a plan. Let me back up just a second. I read the word of God. Let's pray real quick. Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for a man who was insistent on listening and pinning down the words that you wanted him to pin down in a man by the name of Ezekiel. Lord, would you help us today? I need your help this hour. I need your help physically, Lord. I need your help spiritually. I, I need you to, to, to manifest yourself, reveal yourself. Lord, I need you to work in the hearts of every person here today in this church. Lord, may you bless the reading of your word. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God has a plan that's designed to reach potentially the entire world. Okay? Potentially the entire world. But there's a problem. We don't have enough shepherds. We don't have enough shepherds going to those. We don't have enough people who are going to those remote places in the world. There are people groups across the globe that are not being reached because no one is willing to go to those places. But God has a plan. His plan was very simple from Luke chapter 19 verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's his plan. And it is the greatest need in a person's life. Social reform is not a greatest, the greatest need. Hunger is not the greatest need. The greatest need is something spiritual. The greatest need that you have in your life is a spiritual need. Now, we, you know, that point can be argued till, till Jesus comes back, which is very soon, so it'll be a short argument. Y'all catch that later. But in, in, at any rate, we find that the greatest need is a spiritual need. Now, let me give you a little bit of history here and, 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 and a little bit of interpretation of Ezekiel 34. And then we're going to go to the New Testament. I want to show you, give you another illustration. So basically, i got two illustrations wrapped up in one thought. That one thought being renewing our burden for missions. I don't know how you are right now at this point in time. <coughs> Excuse me. In January of 2024. But if your burden for missions has lost a little bit of its luster, lost a little bit of its, 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 its uh, uh, what's going on, I, I pray that it will be renewed today. I, my prayer is that it will be renewed today. 
In Ezekiel here, the Lord instructs the prophet with a message. And that message was very simple. It was against the shepherds in Israel because they had not been doing their job. They had a responsibility to feed and to nurture and to care for the flocks. Now, on the physical side of things, if we look at the passage and we talk about sheep, shepherds, flocks, and so on, remember that the, in order for them to worship in that day, they used the sheep for the sacrifices. In order for them to go to, uh, uh, to, to have their sins forgiven, they used the sheep to be there at the burnt sacrifice. And they would cut the throat, drain the blood, cut it up in pieces, and fillet it and all that stuff, and then burn that sacrifice. And so there was a need for sheep in that day in order for them to worship the Lord. So that's on the physical side. And we know from the text here, said that some of them... You haven't bandaged them up. Some of them you haven't cared for them. Some of them you haven't nurtured them like you should have. On the spiritual side of this, God always has a shepherd over his flock on the spiritual side. Just for the sake of example, all right, I am the shepherd, the under-shepherd for this church. God's put me in that position. I know that Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. So he's putting me in the position as the under-shepherd, all right? So it is my responsibility to spiritually take care of you, to nurture you, to care for you, to equip you, to do all of those things that we need to do spiritually. That's why we meet at the house of God. That's why we take the Bible. Amen. We take the Bible, the Word of God. (coughs) We open it up and we teach from it. We are instructed from it. We find illustrations. We make it applicable to our lives so that the Holy Spirit of God can do a work in our lives. And it is my responsibility to be that shepherd to care for you as part of the flock. So, with all of that being said, the one thing that God wanted is for them to handle the spiritual side of things well, but it was the most neglected. I wonder this morning how many of us, now don't raise your hand when I ask this question, but how many could here safely say in your life that the the most important thing, it's the spiritual thing, right? We'd agree with that. But how how many of us would say it is never, ever, ever, ever neglected? My spiritual life is never, ever neglected. Can anybody anybody say, don't don't raise your hand, okay? I don't want to, don't embarrass yourself, all right? All right, but, but I, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to raise my hand. I want to be the first one to admit that. Sometimes my spiritual life is neglected. And God is, what he's trying to say is that we don't need to neglect that. We need the, the shepherds and the under-shepherds to, to not neglect the spiritual areas and the, the needs that they have. That's why Israel was oftentimes oppressed and led into captivity is because they were neglected spiritually. And those would not do what they were supposed to do in light of that. Now, but the Bible says this. You know, if we, uh, if, we look at, if we look at where we're at, look at this nation, the United States of America. We see where we are right now. I think we have some issues. Would you agree with me on that one? All right. All right. You, you can raise your hand. We, we all recognize the fact that we have some, some issues. Now, If we as a nation continue on the same trend that we are going right now, we are in a world hurt. We're in trouble. We're in some very serious trouble because, and here's why, because this nation has been spiritually neglected. Not by God, 
Because God's always been there. God's always been in the right place at the right time. But by men, by my men who have neglected to take care of their flocks, by pulpits, by churches, there have been many churches closed. Their, their doors have been closed because of the spiritual neglect that has taken place in, across this country. Listen to this. I read it this morning. Proverbs 14, 34 says this. Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And if we're going to, if the United States of America doesn't watch out and we're heading in this trend and our future doesn't look all that great right now because we, don't, we can't see that trend, the trend of things that's heading in the right direction, we are going to become a laughing stock. We're going to become a reproach to the name of Jesus if we don't get ourselves back on track. Would you agree with me on that one? All right. So... If we take here in verse number 6, look at verse 6 with me real quickly. Look at verse 6. The Bible says this that in verse 6. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth. Watch this last phrase. And none did search or seek after them. See, Jesus came from Luke 19.10. He came to seek and save that which was lost, right? But here the shepherds are not doing their part. The shepherds are not seeking. The shepherds are not searching. If we liken the sheep to people as the Lord did here for Ezekiel, and we use this to illustrate our current day, what we find is a very similar situation in that we have become complacent. We have become comfortable where we're at. We have not heeded the, the, the warnings of Scripture. We have not followed the mandates of God about telling others about Jesus. That's why I think that we need to renew our burden. The burden for the lost is gone. The burden for others is gone. Now, missions is about so much. It's not just about giving a monetary gift, okay? It's more than that. It is about giving, but let me first say it's about going. Missions' first priority is going. Somebody's got to be willing to go. Now, I know that not everybody can go, and I get that. At one time, I thought early on, and in our ministry, I thought that we were going to be missionaries to the, to the I sort of say the country of Alaska, but to the state of Alaska. Might as well be another country. But I thought we were going to be missionaries up there. I believe the burden was so heavy and so strong. I'd been up there to preach uh, for my, my cousin by marriage, cousin by law, and he showed me. We walked, drove through town after town after town. He said, now there's no church here, and there's no church here, and there's no church here. And I said, his name was Dick. I said, Dick, what are you doing to me? He said, I'm just trying to share with you my burden. Uh, Dick's in heaven now, but he spent his entire life in the country of Alaska on an island called Metlaketla to reach people for the, name, for the cause of Christ. It's a different culture altogether. And one time I thought we were going to be missionaries. I come back, we come back home from that trip, and I told my wife, and she's like, well, okay, whatever. Isn't that a great submissive wife? Now, I couldn't see in her soul, you know, but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, darling. But, but it, was, it was whatever, if, if that's what the Lord wants. So I began to pray. and The Lord never gave me that opportunity to be a missionary, but he has given me the opportunity to travel and to help missionaries. I think, I think the Lord has, has used 
myself, my wife, and the ministry that we have to help missionaries. It's just the numbers I gave you earlier yeah, to, to be able to help missionaries get to the field, to help them in different projects and things of that nature. But somebody's got to be willing to go. And somebody's got to be willing to give. Somebody's got to be willing to pray. Somebody's got to be willing to invite. Somebody's got to be willing to witness. All of those things are important in the, in the process of missions. And I think that we need, we need desperately, I think this is a desperate need in today's culture, today's world in 2024, in January 2024 for Calvary Baptist Church is that we need to renew our burden for missions. It needs to become a, a, a fire within us. Now, I want you to turn to one other place real quick, and I'm going to show you something. I'm going to give you a story here. John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter number 1. I'm going to read a couple of verses here, and then, and then I'm going to give you the message. All right? I know my introduction is a little bit lengthy, but my message will be short. All right? I have eight more cough drops left. One is just about gone. I'm getting the other one ready. Because I'm going to need it. There it is. It's ready. All right. John chapter 1, verse 35. Watch this now. And again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, two of John's disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. We love that phrase. Amen. He said this. He said, and then the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Now, wait a minute, John. What are you doing? He, John's telling them about Jesus. Jesus walks up. Jesus walks up. He says, behold the Lamb of God. They immediately turned the direction. Was, was John depressed after this? Two guys left. No, John was excited. This is the one I've been telling you guys about. I've been talking to you about the Messiah. I've been giving you the truth. Hey, remember John's message? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> Sorry about that. I get excited. Get a little warm. It's going to happen, all right? I apologize. I coughed in this hand, okay? So don't shake this hand. Actually, next time I got this. All right. So, so John was so excited that now Jesus, the Messiah, was there right in front of him. He said, behold the Lamb of God. And later on he says, he takes away the sin of the world. He taketh away the sin of the world. But watch what happens now. Watch this now. He says this in verse number 38. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what seek ye? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, abode with him that day. For it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. His, he, he first findeth his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is being interpreted a stone. Now what's going on here? Peter... That's Peter, okay, Cephas, okay, or Simon here, Simon Peter. That's who we're talking about. But how many know, of course, I've done give it away already by reading the text, but how many before I read the text knew who it was that brought Simon Peter to Jesus? Did you know that? Did you know that beforehand? It was Andrew, his brother. 
All right. So what is the significant thing? Peter is probably one of the most prominent disciples of all of Jesus' ministry. His, his ministry, Peter's ministry, touched thousands and thousands of people in that day. And even today, Peter's still touching people through his writings and through the things that we talk about, even Peter. So his ministry has lasted for centuries and centuries. Christ handed him the keys to the kingdom uh, which opened up the way for the Gentiles with a message that he preached on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. We find that, that he preached, no one spoke, no one was spoken to more by Jesus to Peter about prayer, about promises, about warnings, uh, about encouragement. No one was spoken to more than Peter. Peter was outspoken, which is part of his personality. All right, how many have? No, don't answer that question. So, so think, of, think of all the things that Peter went through. Peter's own confessions, his own confessions and his prayer when he was sinking in the water. Remember when, when Peter got out of the boat and started walking to Jesus? All right. And he said, Lord, save me. And he's reaching up. All right. And Jesus has to reach down and get him because he's sinking in the water. I mean, and some people say, Peter, what in the world? What were you thinking? You were sinking. You, you had so little faith. He's the only one who got out of the boat. Where's John? John's still in the boat. Matthew's still in the boat. I can see them now. I ain't getting out of the boat. The boat's a safe haven. But Peter is that one. That's, that's Peter. That's his personality. Uh, how about when, when Peter protested when Jesus uh, washed his feet? He said, Lord, don't wash my feet. Wash my whole body. Peter, you're missing the point. You know, that's just Peter's personality. Or when, when Peter, when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and here they come, they come after Jesus, and Peter drew his sword, and he, wow! I mean, he, was, he went ninja on them. And, and, and cut the ear off of the high priest. That was Peter. He's the one that raised John to the tomb to find it empty. But he's also the one that delivered the message on the day of Pentecost that 3,000 people were saved. Watch this now. All because one man said, come, we found the Messiah. And that was Andrew. Are, are you seeing this? Andrew had a burden for his brother. Let me give you three thoughts. Three thoughts real quickly. First of all, his decision. And here, 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 here we go. Got three things real fast. Andrew had already made the decision to follow, follow John. And now he is making another decision to follow Jesus. That is Andrew. He, John prepared. John was used by the Lord to prepare the way. Remember the message. I gave you the message a moment ago. For the, for the coming, for Jesus coming the first time. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he is trying to point people to one person. John wasn't trying to point people to himself. John was trying to point people to Jesus. And when Jesus walked up, Andrew knew that it was Jesus. And he, he made that decision to follow him. John pointed Andrew to Jesus. And now Andrew points Peter to Jesus. <coughs> See how that works? It's a reciprocating effect. Reciprocal effect. It is, it, John points Andrew to Jesus, John, and Andrew points Peter to Jesus, and Peter has pointed thousands to Jesus. All because of one man's decision. 
one man's burden and the, that burden that he had for him, what motivated him to go and find Peter? What was it that motivated Andrew to say, you know what? Was it the, the fact that it was the Messiah? Was it the fact that Andrew loved his own brother? He did love his brother. He found, he found love in his soul for him. When, listen, when a person comes to know Jesus as their Savior, there's a desire for others to know as well. Come to that same saving knowledge, to come to the Savior, to find true peace and contentment. I want people to have that. You know, it, it doesn't take long to talk to a person and look into their eyes and see when their soul is empty. And you want them to be filled with the joy of the Lord. You want them to experience that same peace that, that you have received. And all we have to do is have it in our, in our minds, the mindset to where we can take and transfer what God has done for us to that person whom we may not know. I had the opportunity this week, this week, to talk to three people about Jesus. Sure. Mention Jesus to them and talk to them about their relationship with the Lord. I wonder today, how is our burden? Is our, our burden that we become, we become complacent or uncomfortable and just living life as it is? Or, or are we doing what, what we need to be doing? First, secondly, notice this. Not only his decision, but there's his determination. As Andrew heard the words of John the Baptist, the message of repentance coming to the Messiah, his interest rose. I'm talking about Andrew's interest rose. And as he listened, he was converted. He was following John, but then, then, then he now has following Jesus and that process. There was something about that person, Jesus, though. You notice Jesus didn't give him a clear answer. Hey, where do you live? I'll come and see. Okay. There was something about him. Hey, we can sing that song. There's something about that name. Something about that name, Jesus. Hey, there was something about Jesus that attracted Andrew, that also attracted Peter, that attracted John, that attracted the other disciples as well. Something about that name. Something about that name that would attract you to him as well. We find as well in the word of God that Jesus told the maniac of Gadara, remember what he said to him? He said, I need you to go home and I want you to tell everybody how good God's been to you. And he did. After his resurrection, Jesus told the disciples this in Luke 24, 47. He said, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in my name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now, if we read the text carefully, we notice that Andrew did two very important things. Two very important things. The first thing we find in verse 41 is that he went and he found him. He found him. The second important thing that he did is in verse 42, he brought him. Okay, so finding has the ideas that he searched for him. He was looking everywhere for him. He was searching for his brother. He knew, he probably knew exactly where he was at or close to where he was at. He was a fisherman by trade. And so Andrew was going to do everything he could to search for and find his brother. But listen, listen, here's a difference. When the Bible says he brought him, it is more than just, hey, come on, I, I need to show you somebody, Peter. No, the, the indication is, the idea is that he put his hand on him and led him. He grabbed him by the hand or the arm or the shoulder. I don't know. He might have drugged him by the leg. I don't know. How many has been drugged to church before? All right. All right. You know, but, but, but that's what it took for, for Peter. 
He, he actually physically put his hands on him and led him. You're not getting out of my sight. You're not getting away from me. You're not going to leave my sight. I'm going to take you to meet the Messiah. And Andrew did. That's the difference. Andrew, listen, Andrew had a burden. Now, you and I, we need to renew that burden for souls. Where at? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's a local place of business. It doesn't matter if it's a local restaurant. It doesn't matter if it's on your street. It doesn't matter. Any of those places, anywhere we can, we need to renew that burden. But I want to show you, I want to show you this last thing, and that is the development of this. We've seen Andrew's decision. We've seen his determination. But there's a developing story with all of this as well. As Andrew, we've alluded to it already, as Andrew followed John and John pointed him to Jesus and now Andrew is following Jesus and he goes and gets Peter and Peter is now following Jesus. What, who all did Peter bring to him? Who all did Peter bring to Jesus? Countless. Countless. Alright, think about this now. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, the Bible records 3,000 people were saved, right? All right, you take that 3,000. If every one of those 3,000 people led somebody else to the Lord, now how many do we have? We've got six. That's old math. All right. So then if those 6,000 told one person, how many do we have now? And then those 12,000 told one, then how many do we have now? See, that's easy math, isn't it? So, so it increases. It's a developing process because God uses one individual. Can I encourage you to do something? Would you work on one person? Just one person. Find one person. Work on that one person and bring them to the house of the Lord. Bring them to Jesus. What did he say? What, what did he found him? How many can find a lost person? Can you find a lost person? Oh, that's easy to do, isn't it? It's easy to, it's easy to find a lost person. I know it's a little bit more challenging to bring them, but hey, if you lay their hands on them, you handcuff them, you'll get them here. I'm just kidding. Don't handcuff them. Don't handcuff them. You know, tie, hog time. Do something. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, but, but work on one person. I found this to be true, that personal relationships go a whole lot further in your, your, your repertoire of, of, of witnessing than anything else. Building a personal relationship, a, tr a trust mechanism with an individual to bring them to the point where they understand and can know Jesus. How do we know that? How do we see that? Listen, thousands and thousands and thousands have come to know Jesus because one man took initiative, That's his name is Andrew, to search. And because of that burden that he had, all I'm trying to get us to see is that we need to renew our burden. You may not be able to go, but you can help somebody else go. We can all pray, obviously. We can put our resources together, even if it's a little bit. We can all put our resources together. And we, this church has. This is not a large church. I mean, it's not a massive church. I think it's a great size. I think we have a, a great family of believers here in this church. And, and, and we are a family. 
And, and as a result of that, we put our resources together. That's why we were able to give as much as we've given over the last nine years. But we all can do something. Every part makes a difference. And what part will you play? Let me ask you a question. Who remembers the name of the monk who took the time to instruct a young man to trust by faith in the salvation of his soul? A monk? Yeah. A monk did that. The young man became a reformer. His name was Martin Luther. Changed thousands and thousands. It actually led thousands to turn from Roman Catholicism as a result of him. But it was one unnamed, unknown monk that said you need to follow Scripture. Does anybody know the preacher who in... 1850, stood in a pulpit and he said these words, Look unto me and be ye saved to all the ends of the earth. Most everyone, was, oh, that's just a common verse of scripture. I mean, I've used that verse before. I've preached from that passage before. But in 1850, there was a young man sitting in the audience and most everybody's heard of him. And his name was Charles Spurgeon. But nobody remembers the name of the preacher that preached in which Charles Spurgeon trusted Jesus. Or how about the Sunday school teacher that was in Boston, Massachusetts, who walked the street back and forth, paced back and forth, back and forth, and finally got enough courage to walk into a place of business because it's where a young man worked and talked to him about Jesus and led him to, led him to the Lord. That young man reached two continents for the cause of Christ, and his name was D.L. Moody. We don't know the name of the Sunday school teacher. We don't know the name of the preacher. We don't know the name of the monk. And we barely know a guy named Andrew. But we all have heard of Peter, Martin Luther, Charles Spurgeon, and D.L. Moody. I wonder, how is our burden for missions? And again, missions is not just a global, it's a global thing, but it's not just some foreign field, but it's everywhere we go, there's a soul in need of Jesus. Could we possibly renew our burden for missions? Father, we love you so much. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for being good to us. We certainly are undeserving of your care. We're undeserving of your love, mercy, and grace. But Lord, we're so appreciative of these things that you've given to us. And you've given them to us in abundance. I pray, Lord, that you would use the message today. Lord, please, may it be helpful. May it strengthen our faith. May it encourage our hearts. May we uh, be challenged from uh, the words that we have learned from Ezekiel and also from the Gospel of John in chapter 1. Lord, meet with us, I pray. May your Holy Spirit do great work. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's keep our heads bowed for a moment. Miss Debbie's going to play when she is ready. I wonder this morning, did God speak to your heart about your burden? About the burden that you have for missions? And, it, and let me again say that missions is more than just a foreign field. It's every field. It's every place. It's every street. 
It's every locale. It's every county. It's every state. It's everywhere that we are. How, how is our burden? Have we, have we become so comfortable where we are that we don't want to carry that, carry that any further? I know I didn't touch on this, but I, I feel it necessary to do it right now. This morning, you may be here and you don't know or don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What are you talking about a burden for Jesus? Jesus is, uh, he is our Savior. He's God's Son. Came to this earth, lived a perfect, spotless, sinless life. And as a result of his perfect, sinless, spotless life, he was the sacrifice for our sin. See, the Bible tells us that we've all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. That means every person in this room, every person under the sound of my voice, those who've been watching online, every person who's, who's heard me speak today, and then some, we're all sinners. And what we deserve is a life without Jesus, a life that is eternally damned in a place called hell. That's what we deserve. You see, here's the difference. Jesus came, lived that perfect and sinless and spotless life to die in your place because He loves you. The Bible says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I wonder today, While these are praying, listen, if the Lord spoke to your heart about that burden for missions, about renewing that burden for missions, I want you to come. I want you to use this opportunity to talk to the Lord here this morning. But there's an underlying purpose I have in saying what I just said. By giving you the John 3.16 and everything I said about prior, about sin, and about Jesus being the perfect sacrifice. Because there's somebody here today, maybe somebody here today, you don't know Jesus. You never formed a relationship with Him. You you never put your trust in Him. I want to invite you to Him. That being said, let me ask you this question. How many today would be able to raise a hand and say, Pastor, if something happened to me and I were to die this week, I know that I'd go to heaven. I know without any doubt. Can you raise your hand? I know without any doubt, I know I'd go to heaven. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much. All right, let me ask you this. Is there anybody here today who would be honest enough with me and say, Pastor, if something happened to me and I were to die, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. I know I do not want to go to hell, but I don't know that I'd go to heaven. I need you to pray for me. Anyone at all, would you slip your hand up, please? Just write straight up, write back down, let me recognize it. Would you do that? Be honest with me. I don't know about heaven. I know I don't want to go to hell. I don't know about heaven. Thank you, honey. I see that hand. Anybody else? For those of you watching online, thank you for tuning in to the service. My prayer is that this service today will have been a help to you, an encouragement, a blessing to your heart. And... um, We want to be a help to you. If you have a need, if you'd like to reach out to us, we'll be glad to get back with you as quickly as we can in response to to you. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you.